CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Well, it's the first Friday after the Olympics, and it is time for Options Action. Back to you, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Welcome. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight, Carter is calling it an intermediate cap in uh, commodities, but he and Mike have a name to play catch-up if you miss the run-up. Then Tony's found a retail name in the bargain bin that could help keep your shelves stocked through the consumer sector contagion. All right, let's get straight to it. Despite global uncertainty, financial, geopolitical, you name it, Domestic markets are rising while oil is stalling. Carter Worth of Worth charting thinks crude is not the only commodity that has found its near-term ceiling. Carter, what do you see? Well, before we get the charts, it's important to think about wheat really had a blow-off uh, this weekend, collapsed, Ukraine-related. Ukraine's a big wheat producer. Oil, uh, a big sort of spike high and, and closed very poorly. Gold. And, and other commodities as well. So the first chart, this is the Bloomberg Commodity Index, and it has not only that gas and oil and gold, but iron ore, and it's got hogs and cotton and sugar and so forth and so on, wheat. And now, second chart. This is the exact same chart, but it is literally been in a perfect, this is from the COVID low, a perfect 45 degree angle. And like a pinball, every time it's hit the bottom of the channel, it's bounced. Every time it hits the top, it has failed. So we, we have a circumstance where I think you fade it. The third chart depicts, if one were to draw arrows, where I think we are in this sequencing. And uh, the ETF to trade, final chart, is the iShares S&P GSCI Commodity Index ETF, symbol GSG. In this case, it blew through the top of uh, the channel and is now falling back. Uh, we want to be uh, fading this move. Uh, if you're long this, take profits. If you're a short seller, sell short. All right. Well, um, we got Mike on the phone because he has some technical issues with the camera. But Mike, what is the trade here? Yeah. So, well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, Carter has made some some phenomenal calls in the commodity space over the course of the last several weeks. He made bullish calls in wheat and corn and silver and gold and oil, and all of those have proved to be quite prescient. So I wouldn't be inclined to bet against them at this point. The other thing I would say, as, an, as a former floor trader on the NYMEX, what we saw yesterday in crude oil was very close to one of the more bearish signals you could see. And that is those situations where you see uh, something gap higher on the open and close lower. Now, the front month WTI future didn't actually do that. It, it was higher then it fell below the prior close and then did recover to be slightly higher. But longer dated crude futures actually did see that pattern. We saw the December crude future, for example, gap higher, trade to highs, then fall about 9% and close lower day over day. And to me, that definitely looks like something you want to fade. So, you know, one of the ways that you could potentially play this uh, if you're looking just to make a general move on commodities, is with the ETF GSG, uh, the S&P Commodity Indexed uh, Trust. Now, this is an interesting ETF because it has about $2 billion worth of market cap. It doesn't trade a whole lot of options, but I was taking a look at it, and the options prices actually seem quite reasonable. It's about a dime wide and a couple hundred up. So 
when you're looking at a situation like this, where you want to put a trade on in something, um, but it doesn't necessarily have a tremendous amount of volume, that's one of the things you want to do. Observe the bid-ask spread. See if the bid-ask spread is tight. See if there is decent liquidity. The other is use limit orders. Now, this is a situation where I'm not expecting huge moves to the downside. The other thing I would point out, the term structure of implied volatility, that is the price of options, is inverted. Near-dated options are much more expensive than the longer-dated ones are. So I was looking at a downside put calendar spread, specifically looking at selling the April 19 puts, could collect about 40 cents for those, and then buying the much longer-dated July 19 puts for about 85 cents. So the total risk on this trade is 45 cents. The idea is it'll achieve max profits if this ETF migrates down to the strike of that calendar spread, 19 bucks, which would be uh, a decline of about 5% or a little bit more from today's closing price. Johnny, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, so as Carter said, GSG co covers a wide variety of commodities, but it has a 60% weight here in energy. And if we look at oil, I think we all agree oil is quite exhausted here to the upside. It's trading against that trend line. There's probably a higher probability that you see a decline here in oil. But I will say the biggest risk here is geopolitical on the oil front and could potentially see some higher prices if things start to escalate further. But that's really why I think using a put spread or using an option strategy like Mike's using is the ideal strategy. Now, when you have a put calendar like this, the tricky part is picking the strike prices. It has a risk profile similar to selling a straddle, but it has limited risk, so it has the benefit of that. However, when you think about which strike prices to choose, you have to pinpoint where you think this, the ETF will end by that first expiration in April. And if you look at the 19 strike price that Mike has chosen, that's about a 25 delta. The 18 strike, which is the lower strike, is only about a 14 delta. So I think that right now, that 18, 19 strike is really where I would choose to see that move here to the downside. And I think 19 is a pretty good uh, strike price to choose as to a conservative estimate as to where the ETF will trade down to uh, by that April expiration, getting you about a one and a half to one risk to reward ratio, risking only 2% of the ETF's value. So very great way, in my opinion, to play for a downside move in commodities. Carter, Tony had mentioned the weighting of oil within this index. Is the oil chart virtually the same? Well, if you see the difference between the actual Bloomberg Commodity Index, right, and the GSG uh, ETF, in the index, which hasn't broken above the channel, whereas the ETF exploded above it, it's a function of the weighting. In the, in the broad index, oil is 16%, nat gas is 9 so energy at 25 versus a 60% weight in the ETF. But uh, oil, to be basically on on the week with news like this, uh, not good. All right. Well, from commodities to retail, consumer-related names also facing increased headwinds. Uh, like many of its cohorts, TJX trying to bounce back from a rough couple of months. Shares are down more than 12% since January. But Tony says this name could actually be on sale. Tony, what are you doing? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it is on sale. They recently just reported earnings. And if we look at the chart here, especially the longer term chart, this is a stock that broke out above the $63, $63 level back in November of 2020. And ever since that, it's really been just range bound between 63 and about 74 or so to the upside. But one of the things that you can see, if you look at the relative chart of TJX to its XRT retail uh, sector, what you see is that we've started 
started to see some real outperformance here back in December of last year and continued into uh, the strength into the market weakness that we've seen here over the last couple of weeks. So this is really where I'm starting to see an opportunity for a bounce here off that $63 support level that it's now trading at with the relative performance we've seen to its, uh, its sector. And if we look at the business itself, it's now trading at about 15 times next year's earnings. And given the current revenue growth we've seen here over the past year or so, that's a fairly significant discount to the 22 times, or which is the average we've seen over the last five years or so. So that's a significant discount as we talk about buying this at a sale or at a cheaper price. I think given the fact that the amount of cash that they generate and the fact that they're able to return quite a bit of cash in the form of dividends and share repurchasing, this is an optional op 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 opportunity to get into TJX at these levels. So I'm going to use a fairly simple trade structure by going out to April and buying the 65, 72, half, 72 and a half call spread here, paying about $3.30 for that $65 call, collecting about $0.65 cents for that $72.5 call, net-net here I'm paying about $2.65 for this $7.5 wide debit spread. So just a little more than 33% of the width, giving me about a 2 to 1 risk to reward ratio if we see TJX resume back towards the upper bound of this trading range. Carter, does TJX, is it a standout amongst its retail peers? Well, let's see. Uh, I mean, day to day, it bounced beautifully, and yet on its earnings, it collapsed eight, nine percent. So the recovery is that the primary data point, or is the drop and gap on its earnings? I would say the recovery is secondary, and the drop and gap uh, primary. Um, look, there's so many bad ones in consumer footlocks are collapsing today. Rent a center earlier this week uh, is. I just don't like the space. Oh, that's pretty definitive. Mike, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We've seen some, some pretty good uh, operating results out of a number of the retailers, and yet several of them are not behaving particularly well. I think that's a bit troubling, but I think that also speaks a bit to the options structure that Tony has selected. If you went out and simply purchased the stock, obviously you face uh, the risk of the stock declining precipitously. By using a call spread, you're limiting that downside risk to just a fraction of the current stock price. I think that's actually the kind of strategy one wants to use at this time, because I still believe that we have uh, trouble ahead, not just in retail, but generally. Yeah. Tony, last word. Yeah, I, I, I understand the risks, and I, that's part of why we're using an option strategy. But I do think TJX is a little different than the other retailers, especially as we head into more uncertainty. This is the type of retailer that tends to do a little better, and that's why I'm positioned for this right now. All right. Still to come on tonight's options action, claim jumping commodities are such a big deal this week. So we're digging deeper into the sector for one play that could still capitalize on the path others have taken. And for all things options action, check out our website, sign up for our newsletter and do not forget to tweet us your questions. We'll be right back. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Last block, Carter highlighted what's broadly looking like an intermediate cap in commodities. But the space is, a com is comprised of so many disparate individual names that some could still be playing catch up to the rest. So Mike is taking a look at how to play one of them. Mike, which one? 
Yeah, I'm taking a look at Freeport-McMoran. Now, as you just pointed out, we obviously saw a lot of weakness in commodities generally today, but there was a rare bright spot, and that was copper. Copper actually closed higher on the day, while many other commodities closed lower. The other thing I would quickly point out is that Freeport-McMoran, not an unreasonable valuation where it currently stands. The street's looking for about 37% EBITDA growth, and we see substantial growth in terms of net income year on year. So I think this is one of those situations where we can basically take a contrarian commodity view simply because it's a little bit more idiosyncratic. We obviously have a lot of support uh, for copper as well, because we've got infrastructure things like that going on. So I don't mind playing Freeport to the upside. That said, this is a stock that has had a fairly good rally of late. So I'm trying to find an option structure here, which will allow me to play for some upside, realize that there's actually some fairly expensive options, and try to mitigate my immediate downside exposure in the event that it does pull back after that uh, rally that we've seen. And what I was looking at is a form of a calendar spread. It's uh, essentially a diagonal call spread risk reversal. Going out to May and purchasing the 46 calls, when I was looking at those earlier today, those would cost about $3.85. And then I was going to sell a nearer dated strangle against it, specifically the March 4151 strangle. So I would be selling the March 41 puts, also selling the March 51 calls. Put together, I could collect nearly a dollar for those two options put together. So that mitigates the expense of buying that longer dated option quite considerably. Now consider what my exposure is between now and March 18th expiration. Freeport would have to fall below that $41 put strike for me to have the stock put to me. That's a pretty significant decline, more than 10% from where the stock was trading when I was looking at this earlier today. On the other side, I have upside of about 10% if the stock should rally. And of course, if this uh, March comes and goes and the stock is between that, I still own my longer dated call and could look either to sell some additional premium against it or if I'm seeing some profits, potentially roll my longer dated option. Carter, I know earlier today you published a note saying ready to launch on this one. So what do you like about the chart? The charts are, are well. The setup is good. Let's uh, let's have a look. So the first I have here is a comparative chart, and what we're looking at is that iShares um, commodity ETF, the GSG, on a one uh, one year basis relative to copper. It's up 38 percent. That's the issue for the index. Copper is up five. So this has been a real laggard, and and I think that's the opportunity. And let's talk about Freeport. Three charts in a row that are identical. The first of three. This is a 60-minute bar chart, and it goes back about three months. You see that head and shoulders bottom uh, back in uh, mid-January. Look at the next way to draw the lines. You can call this a cup and handle. It doesn't matter what you call it. Look at the next way to draw the lines. It's toying with the prospects of breaking out, and you'll see that here in the third iteration. And so the question is, and the final chart uh, is the longer-term chart, and th this is the issue. The stock closed today at $46.34. Its high on May 10th in that chart of 2021 was 46.10. So we closed 20%, 20 cents, excuse me, above where we were in May, and we're about to be March a year later. It has done nothing in a year. That's the potential major breakout candidate.
All right. Um, we have a, some breaking news here on Starbucks. Kate Rogers has got this. Kate. Hey, Melissa, a third Starbucks store in Mesa, Arizona, has voted to form a union with Starbucks Workers United. The vote was just tallied. It was 25 in favor of unionizing, three against. This vote count was delayed by several days after a Starbucks challenge, and the company has now another 10 days to challenge these, resu- these results. Then the union will move to be certified. This marks the third store that has now voted to unionize in the last two months out of a total of four that have voted so far. We're still awaiting the count of two more stores in the Buffalo area area as well. Now, there are many other stores in states awaiting a vote. The union says now 103 stores in 26 states have so far petitioned the NLRB for a vote. Starbucks has said it will handle these on a store by store basis when it comes to contract negotiations, which of course makes it a bit more challenging to flex that collective bargaining power on the union side. And a reminder, the workers that did unionize can move to decertify the union in about a year if they are not happy with the results that they're getting. Melissa, back over to you. Kate, just quickly, I mean, you hear this and you assume that that means higher wages, higher wage costs for Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Is is that the case? Should we make that assumption? Well, and Starbucks, remember, has already been increasing wages. That's Mm -hmm. something that they announced uh, earlier this fall after the initial union push began. So I think that is something that's safe to assume that they've kind of already built into their their cost model here. But as we mentioned, Starbucks store by store negotiation tactic means that this will take a really long time to kind of reach critical mass, particularly for the investing crowd. But it is certainly something to watch because this is definitely spreading quickly. And many of these stores are seeking to unionize. And this was quite a landslide for the union. Twenty five in favor, three against. Kate, thank you. Kate Rogers with the latest on SBUX. Uh, Mike Coe, what do you make of this news? Yeah, I mean, the, the issue I have with Starbucks, and she, Kate kind of put you know, it to us here by mentioning that this is going to take some time to play out. Uh, I think really the bigger issue with Starbucks is its valuation relative to comps. It's trading a couple turns over. Um, you know, I mean, this is a historically good performer. They do have uh, historically good margins. I expect those to continue. But I, I don't see a whole lot of upside in it right now. And I think the charts we probably should hear from Carter would suggest the same. It hasn't performed very well at all in the midst of this news. Carter, quick take on the chart yeah, it here. Hasn't, it hasn't performed. And then there's the commodity issue, right? Uh, coffee is through the roof. Uh, and that goes to margins. Uh, Starbucks, not so good. All right. Up next, you've got a lot of big questions from this big trading week. So we're going to answer your tweets. Don't go anywhere. Much more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. First, a viewer wants to know if one shipping name will deliver on earnings. So here's the question. Looking at FedEx with earnings in March, I believe the stock will rise and thought to sell the 255 March 25th call by the March 25, 240 call for a cost of a little less than a share. Tony, what do you make of this trade? Yeah, so this is certainly a bit more on the speculative end, sort of catching a falling knife. But this is one that I like. I added some exposure on FedEx myself yesterday. And using a call vertical spread like this is a great way to take a lower risk approach to playing for a bounce on FedEx. All right. Our next viewer asks, Dr. Ko, (laughs) I'm looking for an option strategy that is relatively safe for passive income. What strategy do you recommend, Mike? Well, thank you for the academic promotion I just received. Uh, Well, here's the thing. To generate income using options, you need to sell premium. And if you're going to do that against stocks you own, selling covered calls is a good strategy. Don't do that on high-volatility stocks. Try to avoid big catalysts if you can. This is not a strategy for growth stocks, but more of your steady eddy holdings. And also manage them carefully. If you see the stock starting to run through your short strike, just be sure to adjust up and out. 
uh, before you get assigned. All right. Our next viewer is focused on the near term, asking, how do you look at the SPY ETF and the triple Qs for the next six weeks? Carter. Well, I'm looking at them all the time, every six seconds. <laughs> but uh, anyway, here's the deal. That's a very specific time frame. The last six weeks have been a doozy. I would make the following odds that uh, six weeks from now, the odds of being up are 10, 15 percent. The odds of being unch or down 85. Really? Tony, how would you put the odds? Where would you put the odds? So right now, I do think that we've put in a bit of an intermediate bottom here on equities. Specifically, six to eight weeks out, I do agree with Carter. I don't know that the odds are as high in my camp, but I certainly agree that it's higher odds that markets are lower than they are higher. And Mike, I'm assuming you think the same. Odds are lower. I mean, I kind of allu I alluded to that. I mean, we obviously, yeah. we, we've seen the geopolitical risks that we face. We have the risks of what the Fed uh, may do if we get even worse inflation data than we have already seen. And so, you know, we've, we've gotten a good bounce here. I think people can take advantage of that. If you failed to reduce some holdings uh, beforehand, you have an opportunity to do so now. All right, let's uh, quickly get to this last one. Our last viewer is revisiting a past trade. Was long the Pfizer Jan 2023 50 calls in mid 2021? Sold calls against those for a few months and then later exited around 53.50 when it was still about double my entry. I'm thinking about getting back in those Jan 2023 $50 calls again as a stock replacement. So, Mike, what do you say? So certainly as a stock replacement, I like options and, and the convexity that they present. So I, I like it for that reason. Also, you talked about selling some upside calls against the longer dated ones you own. That's kind of another form of a buy right or a covered right, kind of like what we were talking about in response to the first tweet. So as a way to generate some, in, some income or to offset the decay of longer dated options holding, I like the strategy. All right. Up next, final call. Now for the final call, Carter. Pair trade, GSG, commodity ETF, short, Freeport, FCX, long. Tony. TJX, long A call spread. Mike. Copper, a rare bright spot in commodities, Freeport. See you back here next Friday. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.